Okay, so I was wondering about the importance of having intimate, authentic connections with other men as someone that struggles with same-sex attraction. And I guess what that looks like. Well, I think it's, you know, in, in my experience, lack of intimacy and lack of authenticity are kind of the foundations of what cause a guy to head off into pornography or sexual relationships that aren't godly. Because if you if you think about it, what you've got is you've got a guy who, and this is heterosexual or homosexual, I know we'll get to more of the homosexual place, but it's realizing that there isn't any authenticity here and I don't know how to be intimate. Because a family, usually in these family systems that are broken, Parents don't even really know how to be intimate and close to their kids. They live on a place of kind of the shallow end of the pool. And so kids just kind of get a little bit, you know, yes, they can maybe say they feel loved. Yes, they can maybe say that they feel something that they know their parents love them, but there's not a lot of I want to know you kind of activity. And so when a kid kind of grows up in that, he's constantly hungry and thirsty for something that will fill that spot. And since he can't find true, authentic relationship, he begins to look for porn and masturbation and fantasy. And that's really in either side of the coin, whether it's a guy who struggles with heterosexual brokenness or homosexual brokenness, I think... With a, with a man or a boy who struggles with homosexuality, I think what ends up happening is, is he feels absolutely inadequate in knowing how to get close to other boys. He's scared of them. He's afraid of how they're going to perceive him. So what does he do? He kind of wanders into this place where he can find the counterfeit, which is, well, let me just look at male bodies that end up giving me some form of intimacy and then it gets wrapped into his sexuality. And then before he knows it, the road that was meant to take him down to a path of knowing men well has taken him down a path of knowing men sexually. And that's all he ever knows. And that doesn't really feel very long. And that was my next question was, what are the motivations for acting out, whether it's sex or porn? So it sounds like you're saying... Wanting that connection, but not really knowing how to get it, kind of. Right. Well, I'm saying that. I'm saying, you know, um, most little boys in this area are kind of scared of their dads on some level. You know, it's like they don't know, really even know how to get very close to daddy. So it's like, well, if I don't know how to get close to daddy, then how do I get close to other boys? How do I relate to other boys? So he goes to school and he gets made fun of or bullied or teased by boys because he's obviously going to, most likely, not every case, but he's going to be different because he doesn't, he's not got the same male role modeling that other kids get. So he kind of grows up in a place of not knowing quite where he fits, so therefore he doesn't know how to fit with other boys. They make fun of him. They tease him. 
he wanders into a place one day where, you know, Satan whispers in his ear, hey, look up pictures of man because he's interested in knowing the mystery of the male. I mean, he's interested. He wants to know what am I? That's where I think there's a problem these days where transgenderism and all these things are only adding fuel to the broken fire because it's saying you don't really ever have to know who you are. But the little boy wants to know who he is. He wants to identify with other boys and other men. So he'll either find it through what he ultimately finds is he'll find it through pornography because he knows I may not look like that. I may not be that, but I at least know I am that. He's got a PP. I got a PP. We relate somehow. But then it's like, I can't ever get there because that's not what I look like. So it becomes sexualized at that point. It becomes almost a, well, it becomes an envy. I, I envy that look. I want to look like him. And so the mystery doesn't get solved. It just gets replaced by knowing the mystery that's the most intimate, which is what do you look like naked, which is a crazy place because I can't know you emotionally, but I'll know you sexually, which is the deepest place. I'm not, I'm not saying sexually is deeper than emotionally, but it's certainly deep because not all of us walk around knowing each other sexually. So it's kind of like the easy get to know you sexually naked immediately versus the true getting to know who you are and ha having to work through whatever there's certain, I guess, roadblocks in that way, especially if you've been hurt by your dad or by your male peers or, or something. Right. Which if you look at that, I mean, I'm sure you understand this. It's like you get into that place where, you know, you kind of understand the whole gay agenda because they don't know each other intimately. They don't know each other genuinely, but they generally know each other sexually. And yet it feels very genuine. You know, it's like I don't have to know that I have anything in common with a man if I've had sex with him. Because that goes, you know, it's like almost one minute you're swimming in the, in the shallow end of the pool. The next minute you're in the deep end of the pool, not emotionally, not genuinely, but you're sharing a most intimate thing with this guy that you really know nothing about which is why guys get into relationships with other men and they think, oh, it's how wonderful and how close we are, but they really find out they don't even like each other because it's all been based on this lie that if I can see you sexually, then I can see you intimately, and those things don't connect. And that happens in the heterosexual world as well. And I guess that could also be why that you, know, you see so much promiscuity and so much... Uh, you know, because it's not really a real lasting, uh, you know, connection that is based on anything other than just a superficial kind right. of thing. Well, the promiscuity is all that they have in common. I mean, I, I doubt that they would agree, but but I think if we really looked at our own hearts in that, and I mean, I'm talking about guys who just have superficial one-night stands or hookups or friends with benefits relationships with a female. I mean, whether it's a guy with a female or a guy with another guy, you know, if you don't get to know that person first and really know their heart and know who they are, if you just base your knowledge of them on, on having sex with them, that's why 
you know, one night stands don't usually fare very well when you're really trying to know someone. Doesn't mean that there aren't people who don't ultimately get to know each other sexually and then end up getting to know each other in other ways. But those folks, you know, sometimes end up looking 10 years down the road and go, wow, we got married based upon a, a, a sexual relationship, and now we don't really even know who we are. But that happens definitely in the gay community because the gay community doesn't have any place that's real other than the sexuality. And I think that's the broken place. That's what we're kind of talking about here is that there is no real, can you know me on a, on a genuine level man to man uh, there may you may be friends but you especially in, in with same sex attraction in the gay in the gay community you already are very close even if you've never had sex because you do have this one thing in common we both have sex with men mm-hmm. so that immediately breaks down a barrier to begin with so that's what causes sometimes that feeling that the gay the gay community is segregated off to themselves because they don't really know how to just be friends with, with other men or for women and women. It's They only know how to have friends based upon who you have sex with. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's a crazy place. And I'm sure that if someone's listening to this saying, well, I'm in the gay community and I'm gay and that's not true. I have solid male relationships. I'm not saying you can't have some male relationships, but the core of your identity is based upon who you have sex with and the core of most of your friendships is based upon who you have sex with, which is not God's intent. Right. So what would you say to somebody who is struggling to break free from maybe that addiction or that pattern of seeking out, you know, a sexual encounter and move towards a real connection with with others like what kind of difficulties or problems do you see there well i think the biggest difficulty is is changing the road we've always driven down you know in my own recovery and and working with other folks god gave me a bit of an image of just driving down a in a pasture you know when you're driving in a pasture if you keep driving the same direction the same road you'll finally wear some ruts into that pasture where a road begins to develop But if you've been driving to the wrong place, which is looking at porn or masturbation or fantasy or having one-night stands with men, then that road gets very well-traveled, and it's very hard to then make a new road. And that's part of the new process is how do I make a new road? How do I – and that's – it's sometimes in the beginning at least, it's a conscious decision of I'm not taking this road anymore. I will not go look for a man to have sex with. I will look for a man to be friends with, which for some is scary as hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a scary process. Yeah. Because it's like, wow, you really want me to be known? Yes. Yeah. But that's the, that's the great adventure, of, if you might want to call it that. It doesn't feel like a great adventure, but it is an adventure of becoming not the little boy who's scared of every other boy, but the man who begins to see himself as a man who's, who's worthy of being known. The man has to begin to see himself as worthy of being known and then help the little boy feel worthy of being known. Hmm. Otherwise, the little boy will always feel unknown and not worthy of being known and will always want to go to sexuality because sexuality is easy. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you say that again? The the little boy is wanting to be known or is worthy to be known. He needs to realize he's worthy of being known. Right. Okay. The core of his hurt is I'm not worthy of being known. My daddy didn't really want to know me. Other boys didn't really want to know me. So now at least somebody wants me. They want to have sex with me. So that helps that little boy to feel worthy at least for something. But if if he stays in that place, if we as men on the outside stay in that place of the little boy getting to drive the car, so to speak, then he'll always try to go to sex because mm-hmm. that's all he trusts in in this moment. But as the man begins to see, I am worthy of knowing other men, I have to press into that. I have to press into knowing other men for something other than their sexuality. Then, as he begins to meet men and begins to step out and drive over on a different part of the pasture, then that road slowly gets formed. And then he can actually help the little boy see, you know, we're not going back there anymore. That's not all you're worth, you know? Yeah. Because... Come on, any of us who've been there, we know the feeling after it's over. The feeling after the sex is done is a feeling of, what the heck am I doing here? Right. You know? Yeah. And I would, I would propose that probably everyone suffers in that place, even folks in the gay community who say, I'm gay, I'm out, I'm proud. They have to really fight against that feeling of, what did I just do? They come to a place where that part of their conscience is seared, and they may not feel it anymore. But down deep in their heart, what they really long for is a foundation of a real relationship with the same sex, not just let me have sex with this person. And that's, that's how you do it. It's scary, but you have to begin to press into real relationships and allow yourself to be known by them and keep doing it. Because, you know, the crazy thing is, and and I think this is one of the biggest hurts that I struggled with and still sometimes struggle with, is nobody wants to go back to that childhood place and learn how to do this. So you, I've lived in a place sometimes in my life of just being bitter and angry that I have to go back and train this little boy how to be a boy, to allow him to feel and to know, hey, it's not going to be easy, but you got to go learn how to get to know those other boys. I never had that, so I I was just I just began to teach myself just stay away. Yeah, you know, always go to the girls, always flock to the females, stay by yourself because but, of because of fear, fear, yes, of rejection, fear of rejection, fear of being bullied and teased, fear of I don't fit here, all those fears, you know? And rather than I think I think in any in any situation it's great in that place if you have a father who or someone who can step alongside you and say, "You know what, son, I love you and that's not a good place for you." Let's you and I go try and hang out with these boys. You know, why don't you and I join this father and son, you know, whatever. Baseball team, basketball team, doesn't even have to be sports. It can be a father-son archery class, you know, whatever. I mean, but when you don't have that, you come to the place where you just keep telling yourself, I don't fit here, so I'll wander off over here, and they're all fit. Yeah, something that 
is interesting to me is the being vulnerable, letting go of that fear in those connections with other men. Right. It's like you're vulnerable, but you're also vulnerable when you are having one night stands or when you're in a different way, but just the contrast of that, you're in, in the just kind of the shallowness of it, but it's still similar. I mean, I don't really have a point about that, but I just kept thinking about the vulnerability of meeting somebody and having sex and, and doing that whole thing versus the real deeper, you know, vulnerability of actually getting to know somebody and risk maybe not feeling worthy or being rejected or whatever it might be. Right. And isn't that interesting? If you really peel that apart and think about it, I mean, I've always felt like, wow, there's a bit of confusion there as to why you know, in my own brokenness, why would I take my clothes off and be absolutely vulnerable naked in front of someone I don't even know, but yet I'm scared to death to go get to know someone without that? Exactly. And I think what I came to was is sex is just easy. I mean, I think sex is always easy. I think you're, you're going to find that in, in bars and between heterosexual folks, homosexual folks. I mean, sex is easy. There's a lust behind sex that will drive you to the place of overcoming your fear. In, in, I mean, in any circumstance, it'll overcome your fear to get you where you want to go. Right. Whereas with true friendship and relationship, you don't have that driving demonic lust that takes yes. you there. You just have your own heart that says, whoa, now I don't have anything around me. I have to just be me. That's true. Yeah, I never thought about that. And with the lust, it's like you're going to have to push yourself more in those relationships. The We've talked about this before, but the reward is not going to be the same as the sex. It's not going to be immediate connection, deep, whatever. It's going to be a a process. Right. Well, and I think it's important for folks to hear one night stand, heterosexual, homosexual, how many times have I, have you, have anybody woken up the next morning and realized, or the next 10 minutes later Mm -hmm. and said, oh, what the heck am I doing here? And you realize this is not even somebody I'd even want to be, be, be friends with. I don't even know who they are. Yeah. You know, I just remember those days. Those are, those are painful and those are, that's a, a terrible feeling in my opinion. And I remember that feeling of realizing, yeah, Yeah. what the heck am I doing here? This is not even somebody I even really want to know, but lust took me to a place where I don't even want to be, you know? And I think our society makes fun of that, you know, like these morning after things where you try to sneak out of the bedroom or sneak out of the house, you know, they make fun of that. But do we really grasp what that does to a person's heart when you give a part of yourself to someone that you will never want to see again? You just gave them, I mean, we don't realize that, but on on a spiritual realm, you just gave them a part of your heart sexually. You just opened up a door, a portal in your heart and in your mind sexually that now you've joined with a person that you really don't want anything to do with. 
And I don't think people realize the ramifications of that because it, it's, I mean, sexuality is a portal for spirits. It's a portal for part of your heart to be exchanged. That's why there's a soul tie that's sometimes connected. You know, I just never realized in my own brokenness what I was leaving behind after each one of those. You know, not only what I might have accidentally picked up, but also what I might have left behind. And I think that's why people can get mad at God and say, how can you, how dare you put these constraints on me? I want to enjoy all the sexuality I can get. But he is so much like a good parent that just keeps saying, but honey, if, if I let you do that, you're going to get hurt. No, I won't. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get what I want. Okay, great. Go get what you want. But then... When you finally realize all that you're losing and all that you've lost, then maybe you'll come back to me, which is a sad part. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of hurts when you think about it. It does. Yeah, it really does. In my own experience, when as far as my uh, patterns of whether it's porn or or acting out in whatever way, I've realized it's been helpful for me to really look at what I do and how I do it, like what exactly I'm wanting and kind of my feelings behind that and see to see kind of the deeper Deeper thing. meaning? Yeah, I mean, for me it was like I would be more comfortable with meeting people I didn't know and not ever seeing, not meeting them more than once. Because I, I realized I was afraid if I met them again that they wouldn't like me. They would realize they didn't like me. Okay. And and that carried over to my personal relationship. Your broken sexuality as well. Well well yeah, but my you know, in knowing and having male friends, it was like I was afraid to keep hanging out with them because I thought, when are you gonna reject me? Gotcha. So I, I realized that by looking at what my acting out behavior was. So that was just a little... And when you look at that, what do you think you were most afraid they'd see the second time? In the in, in both times? Or? Yeah, in your fear, whatever that is, whether it's in broken sexuality or in real relationship, what do you think you're afraid guys will see the second time if they really get to know Corey? I know there was this feeling of they're going to realize that I'm not what they thought I was, or they're not, I'm not going to be what they want. And that kind of ties into, well, I got to be something for you to make you like me, you know, and that's the wrong approach. So just kind of undoing that, or at least trying to see what the pattern is so I can be aware of it. Right. But you know, isn't that amazing? Because I think, I think that is, that can be a common fear of all of us, but Satan tries to specialize it in just your heart or just my heart or just this guy's heart in ways where it, it may morph to something else, you know? Some guys may have same-sex attraction. Other guys may just be afraid that you, that no woman's going to like him or that no guy, you know, if she really were to get to know me, that she wouldn't like me. You know, it's this kind of this inner deep down belief that there's something inherently wrong with me. 
And I think that would be an amazing place if we could really help folks find that belief that's inherently deep down in their heart. Like, what is it that made me decide there's something wrong with me that people aren't going to want to know me? Because if you could get to that place, then that would break a lot of people's bondage to fear of who they are. Right, because if you've are if you're already believing that or waiting for it, you're going to look for it. In my experience, I would be already waiting for it. So any little hint of a sign that someone didn't like me, it was like I knew it, you know. So I knew it, and then what? And then um, break break off. Break yeah, it let off. me get out of here yeah. because it's just going to happen, and I don't want to have to feel this again. Mm-hmm. And that's the crazy cycle, right? Because then we're afraid of that. And then if we even get a glimpse of it, whether it's real or not, then we break off and then we go back to our, our, our solitude and our isolation. And we say, say, we say, see, nobody really wanted to know me in the first place, <clears throat> which only keeps that cycle going. Right. Because then you've just affirmed what you've always feared by something that may or may not have ever been real. I mean, I, I think one of the most eye-opening things for me is when I became a counselor and started hearing from other guys that would tell me the same fear I had, (laughs) you know. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't look like a guy who would have that kind of fear, you know. You have these guys that look on the outside very positive and affirmed, and I know who I am, and yet they come to counseling and they're breaking down and crying, saying, I'm just afraid nobody's ever going to want to know me. It's like... Wait a minute here, you know, so you suffer from the same struggle that I've got? And so I think that's Satan's big lie, is I think if he can convince us that we're different from other guys, then I think we'll stay hidden. If he can, if we begin to see that really we all struggle with this because of something in our past, but it doesn't make it real. It may be... It may feel real, but it doesn't make it true, I should say. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does. So uh, I have another question. Okay. Do you think <clears throat> we talked about the um, maybe like the motivations for acting out and, and, and all that. So would you say that having genuine connections and really – Pursuing that will um, affect the desire to be sexual with men or to look at porn or whatever. Do you? I think it's three, probably two or threefold. I think there's a, a couple of components. You know, I think there are men who have great relationships with other men and yet still struggle with lust. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, as long as lust reigns in your heart, that's going to be a key component. Yeah. You know, um, someday, and I want to do a podcast just on this, but it's the, it's the misconceptions of lust versus love, you know, because, you know, if you think about it, if you, like, I can only look at my own life, and I'll start there. I won't point out anybody else's life, but I'm saying... As I begun looking at my own life, since I was about nine years old and first started looking at pornography, 
my whole life has been driven by lust. That's why Satan loves it. If he can get to a little boy's heart at an early age, then his entire life is driven demonically. And so he doesn't really ever fully grasp what love looks like or what love feels like because it's always lusty, which when you realize that and you see the devastation, it's like, whoa, that's devastating. But but I don't know that any, many, I'd say many, I'd sh- I should change it to many, I don't know that many fully grasp like even the, I think back of the jocks in high school and the guys who were popular, you know, I haven't met those guys again as adults, but I've met men like them as adults who, who were always the popular one, always got the girl, always thought that they were God's gift to women. But even they many times have had to ultimately confess that they were driven by lust as well, because they found sexuality, pornography, masturbation at a very early age. So if you think about it, boys, whether it's in their brokenness and they look to other men, or in their brokenness and they only are told to look at women, from a very early age, how many of us were taught to check out her whatever? Check out her body parts, check out her breasts, her butt, her whatever, and how many guys who grew up in our brokenness who immediately started looking at guys and wanted to what they had, you know, but it's all built on lust. There's nothing there that's real. So our society now even gets built on that. So if a guy, you know, you know, if it, it, that's why sex sells, you know, it's like, well, then everything's built on lust. So we don't really even know the true foundation. We don't know the true mean or, or median sexuality that, that God intended because it was already flavored with all this lust. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have guys who come to counseling and say, well, I don't understand. I should be having sex five days a week with my wife, you know, but guess what? We're only having sex one day a week. Well, how do you know? That's not the norm. Because you don't know that because all you've ever been built on is lust. All you've ever known is that sex should look like this thing where you start to have, you know, this, you know, meet in the elevator and wham, bam, and it's hot and steamy. Everybody says that's what sex should be like. What if that's not really what sex should be like? Yeah. So it's the same on the same sex attraction side. It's like, how do you know what real love feels like when all you've ever known is lust? So I think the first component, to get back to your question, is how do you let go of this belief of lust, of where lust has taken you, you know? Yeah. I mean, when lust drives the car, lust will say, do, do lust at any opportunity for any particular reason. If you're stressed, go masturbate. If you're bored, go look at porn. If you're angry, go deal with your feelings by having a one-night stand. You know, I mean, so you begin to realize I don't really have to deal with anything. I just go act out and then the euphoria hits and everything stops. I, I don't have to feel anymore. So the first component is, is really trying to break yourself free from, from lust. The other thing is, is really pressing into true relationships. Because if you don't fill that empty space, you're just going to want to keep filling it with something. And there is an empty space there. 
if you've been made fun of as a kid, if you didn't have close male relationships, if you didn't have a great father's relationship, there's an empty space there. And if you don't fill it with the legitimate thing God's offering, it will be filled by the illegitimate thing that Satan offers. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I've heard lust described as a blessing from the devil. You know, like... Amen. I just That's like to think about to it, it that way. If you're feeling tormented or whatever by these circumstances or your experiences, it's like that is an escape, but it's not a gift from God. It's not love. It's the opposite. Absolutely you know? opposite, but... It is. You're ex- exactly right. I mean, I, I I love the way that's said, because actually, isn't that the case with everything Satan offers? It is his blessing. You know, if I eat too much ice cream, it can feel like a blessing in the moment, but the result of it is not going to be good. If I go to lust and have sex with people just to not feel, it's going to feel good in the moment, but the result is not good. Right. If I decide to steal from my employer because I'm stressed over money, the immediate blessing is, is, wow, you fixed my problem, but the result is not good. That's why God is in it for the long term. Satan doesn't care about the long term. He wants to destroy you in the short term. And that's what lust is. And that's the problem. If you look at even today's society, what do we have struggles with? We have struggles with guys and sometimes even females these days who don't want to be in relationship. They've determined it's better to not be married. They've determined it's better to be alone. And if I have to masturbate and just that's my sexuality for the rest of my days, so be it. Why? Because we're very that even turns us very self-centered. So when you don't really have true relationship, but you live in the places of Satan's counterfeit. Crazy, right? Yeah. It's it's interesting when you kind of begin to see that. You know, it does. I mean, I've been there. I still feel it sometimes. It's scary. And what is that? To form real relationships. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's scary. It's like, I've been afraid. What if I get hurt? What if you don't really want to know me? It's easier just to go hide in that corner over there. Yeah. And and have Satan offer everything to meet my need. You want friendship? Just look at porn. You want to feel better? Go eat a pizza. You want to take care of your finances? Work at McDonald's and live with your parents for the rest of your life. You know, you want to take care of your finances? Go steal. You want to, whatever it is, he always will offer a shortcut solution for a long-term goal that God has for us that will be his great adventure if we're willing to follow it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. It is crazy. Drink alcohol or drugs, you know, for anxiety. That's something that popped in my head, but there's all kinds of things you could turn to. Yes. And even in that, you know, that's a whole issue on its own, you know? Okay. But Lord, I don't know how to deal with my anxiety. Well, I'll show you. Well, you, you take too long. I want something now that'll fix me now, you know? Yeah. You know, and and that's what God's always said. There's nothing wrong with alcohol, but it's what's wrong with it is when you use it for things that it was never meant to be used for. There's nothing wrong with sex, but that's why God put it within the bonds of marriage, because in marriage, it can be used to grow one another. It can be used to find deep love. But when it's used outside the bonds of marriage, it's make me feel good right now. 
interesting when you start to look at it. Well, we've had some good talk today. I don't know where are we at. I think we're going to have to end, but I appreciate it. I hope you, uh, I hope people have, have listened, and I hope people have gotten some things from it. I sure have, and I appreciate your questions and all of that you brought to us today, Corey. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs>